Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. Sorry, 855am on the dial. And this particular show is dedicated to George Floyd, who is a black uh, African-American who died in custody in America. And as America readies for a sixth night of protests over the recent police killing of this unarmed black man, the hurt and anger is being felt on Australian soil. And, yeah, there's been a lot of media coverage about this. And so we've chosen to dedicate the show to all deaths in custody and also to David Dungai. And I'm going to be speaking shortly with Joseph Bugliese, who is friend of Uncle Ray Jackson, who passed away um, some years ago now and who is still remembered. And we're going to be speaking with him just about what happened in America and also how that's being felt here in Australia and looking also at David Dungai and the similarities of both deaths. Tens of thousands of people took to the streets in the US both peacefully and um, violently to protest the death of Floyd, a Minnesota man who died in police custody on Monday and the others who came before him. So that's just a bit of an example of what the media is writing not sure what they mean by violent, given that there's been a lot of violence um, by the police who actually, uh, you know, stood on the neck of George Floyd and the, all of those police have been fired. There's been one police officer who has been charged and the others have yet to be charged. There's a lot of, lot of outrage um, going on here. A lot of media coverage. There's one uh, particular article by Amy Maguire, which people might be interested in looking at as well. But I'll talk about that later. Um, so Joseph Bugliese is first. And then after that, we're going to be speaking with um, Mitch from the Refugee Action Collective. And we're going to be speaking with him about Serco and how uh, basically art supplies are being denied to a refugee who is in detention. So we'll look at that. And then after that, we're going to speak with Brett Collins from Justice Action in New South Wales. And we'll be speaking with Brett about um, also George Floyd and also deaths in custody. And, yeah, just to, to say also that Joseph is also in New South Wales. He's done a lot of work on the deathscapes 
um, website and we've done a lot of coverage on that as well. So coming up very soon is Joseph. Fitzroy Legal Service has launched a free information and advice phone service for people who have been stopped, questioned, fined or charged for breaching the new COVID-19 restrictions. Have you been fined or charged under the new laws or stopped and questioned by police for being outside? Call 0434 136 501. Weekdays between 9am and 5pm. That's 0434 136 501. Or head to fitzroy-legal.org.au for more information. You can also report incidents at covidpolicing.org.au. Fitzroy Legal Service is a 3CR supporter. And you're back with the Doing Time show. So before we actually um, speak with Joseph, just a quick a quick reminder that the station appeal is coming up for 3CR. And of course, because of the pandemic, COVID-19 and the lockdown restrictions, we have been unable to do Radiothon. And I know that people are doing it really tough, but we actually do really need people to donate online um, during station appeal, which will be for this month, and details of that will be played shortly, and I'll talk about that later on in the program. But please, people who can afford it, dig deep and donate to the Do and Time show and also to three other 3CR programs. Hello, Joseph. Welcome to the program. Hello, Marissa. It's lovely to have you. Lovely to be here. Now, Joseph, I'm wondering if you could start off talking a little bit about George Floyd and also talk about some of the far-reaching issues, if you like, in regards to David Dungai. Sure, I'd be happy to. And I guess what is so powerful about uh, the death of uh, George Floyd is the transnational connections that we need to make and the way in which they resonate back in the Australian settler state context. So we'll get to that. But I think when you watch the video, when you're compelled to watch the video of George Floyd being murdered by the police, what strikes you is just the overwhelming brutality of police power and violence on someone, if you've watched the video, it goes for about eight and a half minutes, who at no time is actually violent themselves, acting in any reactive way to call for that undue pressure and duress that he was placed under, that utter subjugation. Uh, he's quite compliant, in fact, all along the way, except in the initial stages where he, he's um, not wanting to get into the car because he says he suffers from claustrophobia. But once you see him brought to the ground and you've got uh, people, bystanders uh, filming the, the event, you see his relentless plea for the need to be removed precisely because he can't breathe. And he, he calls out about uh, 16 times uh, that he can't breathe and still the knee is placed on his neck, obstructing his lungs and he's face down and so his lungs are obstructed from breathing. So it's like a double whammy uh, and he's undergoing asphyxiation. And um, I think the most gut-wrenching moment to me is, and um, I'm not sure if you've seen it or heard it, 
But toward yes. the end, in utter desperation, he actually calls for his mama. Yes. He says, mama, mama, quite a few times. And for me, that's the sense that he's got no one to call but his mother to come and help him from this desperately fatal situation. Uh, and, of course, the brutality is amplified by the utter indifference of that police officer who keeps his hands in his pockets and completely looks nonplussed, complacent about the, de the death that's occurring underneath his knee, effectively. Uh, and the fact that he keeps his hands in his pocket, it makes it seem as though this is a routine, everyday event in his life. And do you know what? It is. I've investigated um, Chauvin, the police, the white police officer's background, and apparently he's had 17 complaints lodged against him. And he's been uh, also complained about with one fatal shooting. So there's a record there. And what's significant there is that in the US system, and this sort of connects back to the Australian system, and Uncle Ray would certainly want us to make these connections, there's something called qualified immunity, which basically means the police officers can get away with murder and hardly ever be charged or convicted for what they do. Now, that resonates powerfully with the David Dungay case, and we can talk about that in a moment, but uh, I'll stop there just to let you uh, come in on the conversation, Marissa. No, no, this, this is perfect, Joseph, and I was, I was hoping that you would indeed speak about David Dungay as well, because that, that is terribly important. Yeah. Look, I, I actually want to speak about David Dungay by framing it within the larger national context and then making those transnational connections about things like qualified immunity. Sure. And I, I, I want to make, I, I want to uh, read to your, to your uh, listeners a quote from Professor Bronwyn Carlson, who you've had on your program, who's Professor of Indigenous Studies, Head of Indigenous Studies, a colleague yes. of mine at Macquarie. And just yesterday she tweeted this, and I'm quoting now, Watching the U.S. demonstrations against unlawful killings of black and indigenous people by police. Australian journalists have to do better. What the fuck comments that in Australia we don't understand what race, hate and police brutality means. Just outrageous. And I, I think Bronwyn was referring specifically to the fact that the Australian media is covering this as though it's some grotesque, abnormal thing that happens over in the U.S only in America, and not here. And uh, you can see the way in which the Australian reporters are actually framing it as something anomalous in terms of the yes. Australian context. I'm not sure if you saw the, the Channel 9 reporter who interviewed yes. one of the protesters, and she basically said, um, when the protester says, this country was built on violence, she says, oh... I really appreciate you giving perspective because people in Australia don't have the understanding of the history of police killings here. Oh, my. That's the quote yeah. from uh, the reporter, the, uh, Alexis Daesh in West Hollywood. Yes. Now, that's where I think David Dungay comes in, and that's where the 420 odd uh, deaths in custody that we've had since um, the, the uh, Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody have to be framed. And we have to begin to say, how is it that these deaths continually get erased so that the violence, not only the colonial violence that happened in the past, but which is ongoing in its racialised effects with, these, with the extraordinary amount of incarcerations we have and the extraordinary Indigenous deaths uh, in custody that we have, how is it that these get erased? 
Absolutely. And indeed, we, we were actually trying to get hold of Dr Hannah McGlade to come on today and she was unable to to make it. And I spoke with Bronwyn about, about some of this too. So it's really fantastic that you were able to come on today because these things did need to be said today, Joseph. Uh, absolutely. And so then what we can do is to show they're not, they're not uncanny, these parallel deaths. What happened to David Dungay? I imagine yeah. that your readers... Uh, your, your listeners are familiar with the story, but basically it was uh, correctional officers who killed him by uh, undue restraint, by undue force, and by not putting their, um, one, of, one of their knees on his neck, but by putting them on, uh, one, of, one of the knees on his back while he was like in a prone position on a bed um, and was already quite unresponsive. But basically he also died from asphyxiation and from the unnecessary cell transfer at Long Bay Jail, where he was being held in the medical hospital of all places, um, in the course of being transferred out of his, forcefully transferred out of his original cell because he refused to give up a packet of biscuits, which for the guards constituted a medical emergency not, because uh, we had the doctors and the medical uh, personnel all uh, say during the coronial inquest that there was no medical emergency and, in effect, this was fabricated by the guards to, to cover their, their asses. Um, in the process of being forcibly transferred between one cell and the next, he was uh, held in uh, prone positions, could not breathe, and called out 27 times, I cannot breathe. So by the end of, say, 10, 15 minutes, he was also dead as in, in a similar manner to George Floyd. So we've got Very these similar. parallel structures. Absolutely. Now, the other parallel structures that we've got, uh, which are you know, particularly disturbing, uh, are these are the issues of immunity. And um, I'm not sure if, if uh, your previous speakers, when, when um, we had the, hand, the, the findings of the cranial inquest handed down, yes. broached this. But the family uh, lawyer for the Dungay family basically said, up and down the line, undue force and restraint was exercised and applied on David's person. And this was the reason why he died. Yes. And so the, the, the Dungay family uh, lawyer basically said, we need to refer this to the Director of Public Prosecutions because we see that there's an indictable crime here. And the coroner says, well, actually, the correctional officers gave evidence uh, on the understanding that um, they would be given some sort of immunity for the... Um, uh, a certificate of exemption, he called it. Uh, it's uh, section six one five, preventing their evidence from being used against them, except in relation to criminal proceedings, in relation to the falsity of their evidence. So the upshot was that he said he's not going to pursue this as an, as an indictable offence because they've been issued these certificates of exemption, and thus it would be um, unfair procedure to, to go down that line. So none of these officers will ever be brought to trial or convicted for murder of David Dungay. It's an ongoing cycle, isn't it, Joseph? And you've got the parallel case with that issue of qualified immunity that I talked about, where time and again you've got white police officers in particular killing black women and men there, but because of the ruse of uh, qualified immunity, they get off time and again, so that it's almost impossible to prosecute them in the court of law. So you can see now these transnational parallels in which, and this is the key point, the criminal justice system with the apparatus of police are actually the agents of killing 
and they know they can kill with impunity because they've got these legalised systems of immunity in place, whether we're talking about the US or Australia. And that's all happening within a white supremacist, settler state, racialised frame, which, as you know, is what Deathscapes has been trying to map up and down the line. The transnational collect, um, relations of force and violence that operate both in the US context as a settler state and the Australian context as a settler state. It's very hard to believe, isn't it, that this is happening in so-called modern Australia, 25 years after the Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody. Uh, absolutely. And uh, I'm not sure if you saw or heard um, David Dungay's nephew, uh, Paul Silva, who was uh, oh, yes. present throughout the course of the coronial inquest, but it's worth me citing uh, yes. what he had to say because it, it, it knits together so eloquently yes. and movingly the connections between the US killings of, uh, killing of uh, George Floyd and the Australian killing of uh, David Ungay. He says, it's plain and simple. The use of force is a contributing factor to David's death. If you take that use of force out, would David Dungay still be alive today? Yes, he would. Ditto with George Floyd. And then he says, when I heard him say, George Floyd, I can't breathe. For the first time, I had to stop it, the video. My thoughts really go out to the family and everyone on the streets in the USA. My solidarity is with them because I do know the pain they are feeling. And as for Aboriginal deaths in our backyard, it's not in the public as much as it should be, which is what we've been talking about. Absolutely, and we definitely do need to bear witness to all this. Well, I think we need to do more than bear witness. We need to mm -hmm. be active in calling for structural change within the legal system and within the whole settler framework within, that, within which that legal system is nested because, as we can see, the legal system actually becomes complicit and generative of police killings, of the exorbitant deaths in custody of Indigenous people. Uh, and as we've remarked on before, in a sense, it becomes a fulfilment of the processes of elimination of Indigenous people from their own country through ongoing incarceration and police and correctional officers killing of Indigenous people in their custody. The Do and Time show actually interviewed David's mother, um, I believe it would have been last year sometime, and she was distraught on air, Joseph. Absolutely she distraught. She was, yes. and she's, she's distraught now. She's basically yes. said, if you read Lorena Allen's article in The Guardian... She says, yes. we have been re-traumatised in watching the killing of David Floyd because it has brought everything back, because there was no closure for them Correct. Uh, at the close of the coronial inquest, because the findings basically said, well, we just need to do some tra uh, training of correctional officers and medical officers at Long Bay, and that will solve the problem. And so no one will be charged, no one will be brought to trial, no one will be brought to book for the murder of David. So that whole family has been left hanging, thirsting for justice and knowing it won't be forthcoming. It's not the first time, is it? It's not. There's a string. Since the uh, Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody, not one police officer, not one correctional guard has ever been charged 
for an Indigenous death in custody in this country. It'll be very interesting to see, Joseph, with the American experience, whether that will follow suit. And there were four officers, weren't there? There were, and only one has been charged at this point. But at this point, isn't it just second-degree murder? It is. It's it's a manslaughter, effectively. And I, I just find that, I, I, you know, I shake my head in disbelief because yeah. you can see someone with willful intent keeping his uh, knee on someone's throat for eight minutes. If that doesn't constitute someone willfully asphyxiating someone, I don't know what does. Why didn't the other police policemen stop him? Well, this is this is interesting too because in in my research on this, one of the other police officers uh, has also had a string of complaints about police violence. Um, I think mm. his name is Teo, uh, and so you've got this. Uh, and Uncle Ray used to talk about this that yep. circle of complicity within the police force, whether it be in the U.S. or the, in the Australian context, where they uh, basically paper over the violence that they perpetrate, uh, as, as with the correctional guards uh, in the David Dungay case, unforgettably, during all of the sorts of uh, uh, analyses that were being made in the court during the, uh, the, uh, the coronial inquest, they just kept saying, I don't recall, I don't recall. And they could walk away with that, which was an outrage. It is an outrage, and the, like you said, Joseph, and... I think we better we reiterate that on air for our listeners, and that is that the media really hasn't reported on this thoroughly, has it? No, it hasn't, and it hasn't reported on it thoroughly because you you see that systematically by the reporters themselves saying we don't understand what race, hate, and police violence mean. We don't have it in this country, as that Channel Nine reporter said. <laughs> Um, And so it becomes something that happens overseas. It's anomalous to the Australian experience and it's comprehensible to white people. And that is because there isn't a systemic campaign on behalf of the Australian media putting this front and centre. And this is what Uncle Ray would have said time and again when you interviewed him. The ongoing exorbitant incarceration of Indigenous people and their ongoing exorbitant deaths in custody should be the central point of concern for this nation before we move anywhere forward. In, yeah, and in, in fact, I'm just having a look here, Joseph, as we're speaking. The Aboriginal activist and award-nominated rapper Adam Briggs was furious. Yeah. And he was, he was very upset with the Channel 9 reporter and he tweeted that Australians did have the understanding of the history of police killing. And he said, how embarrassing. People in Australia, um, they, they, they do have an understanding, he was saying. Of course they do. But there's um, denial there and, and erasure. And uh, yeah. it, it, it basically, uh, if, if, if you're referring to the article that I read by Briggs, he basically says, yeah. we, we there, we thus uh, self-represent ourselves as the lucky country. Uh, uh, because we, we, you know, construct this fiction that we aren't a country built on a violent history, that we aren't a country built on race hate, that we aren't a country built on the, the institutions of power of white supremacism. 
that ensure the reproduction of settler regimes of law that actually work to kill and incarcerate Indigenous people and remove them from their own country, remove them from their families, break up the culture. Yeah. It's, it's really sad, actually. Well, I think that there's a gross irresponsibility on, on behalf of the Australian media, but I think it's a calculated responsibility because yes. once you put that uh, front and centre, the issue of Aboriginal deaths in custody and the exorbitant uh, incarcerations, well, then you need to do something. You unsettle the settler state and you need to begin to call it to account and you need to begin to ask why there is such a systemic killing process in train in this country. Whereas if you don't put it front and centre... Then you can claim that fake innocence and say it doesn't happen here. How come it's happening in the US? Yeah, there's a lot to talk about and, and certainly a lot of work to do in terms of building the movement to stop Aboriginal deaths in custody. Absolutely, and that's where I think we need to work uh, in coalition. And um, I think, you know, one of the most important moments when I was covering the death escapes, the um, David Dungy coronial inquest, was when Hawke Newsom, one of the leaders of the uh, African-American Black Lives Matter, came out and expressed his solidarity uh, with the yes. Dungy family and said, we understand these processes of systemic violence. They are racialised to their bootstraps. We need to work together. And uh, Black Lives Matter encompasses transnationally all black lives and people of colour. And so I think those coalition movements need to be transnational. And we also need to own, within the Australian context, the specificity, the particular historical uh, ground upon which we, as uh, settlers or uh, migrants, come to this country and the way in which we need to begin to take into account the structures within which we're, we're caught and reproducing. That's exactly right. So, Joseph, with the Deathscapes website, does that cover deaths in custody all over the world or just Australia? No, it covers deaths in custody in the US and, and Canada. So it looks at three, tra right. um, it looks at three uh, international sites uh, and maps the transnational connections. Uh, and it also looks at the refugee deaths in um, the UK and the EU because we included them because really they are the origin points for a lot of these settler states. They're the origin points of empire, effectively, that constituted the birth of the US, Canada and Australia as settler states. Joseph, I'm really glad that you could actually come on today to discuss all of this because I was quite outraged as a broadcaster when I saw all this media coverage and I feel that 3CR really has cutting-edge media and we needed to really report the real issues of what was happening with black deaths in custody. So thank you so much for coming onto the show and, and talking about it. You're most welcome, Marissa. And it's so important to have a, your radio station covering these events and basically uh, trying to push against the program of fake innocence and mis you know, misrepresentation that we're seeing by the mainstream media. So free SER is more vital to us than ever. Absolutely. And we certainly have gone up to half an hour of coverage. So <laughs> we've achieved our goal. And thank you so much, Joseph, for, co for coming on to the show. And, and Uncle, Uncle Ray welcome. Jackson would be very proud, I think, to... 
to hear all uh, this. And please, please let me say that um, I, I really invite our uh, your listeners to, to, to visit the Deathscape site and uh, also Sivandrini Pereira and I wrote um, an analysis of the, the coronial findings of the David Dungay inquest, so they might want to read that if they want follow-up. Um, but there's a lot there and a lot of Uncle Ray there in our site too, uh, tackling these sorts of issues. Could you just read right, out but, the website in full? Yeah, so it's deathscapes, all one word, dot com dot org. Deathscapes.com.org. Yeah. Joseph, thank up. you so much and take care of yourself. Stay safe in this pandemic. Thank you. You too. Lovely to speak with you, Marissa. Bye. Bye-bye. G'day, my name is Margie Thorpe. You are listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 on your dial. I really am not understanding why people aren't seeing the fact that prisons are an integral part of a public health response to a pandemic. Like you, I'm really concerned about whether the data is being released very honestly about illnesses within prison. I have suspicions it's not, but really we need very strong leadership in this country that actually cares about people inside, our most vulnerable populations inside. That's what we need and that's not what we're getting right now. 3CR, your station in struggle and solidarity. To donate... Go to 3cr.org.au. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And that was actually a, a lovely announcement with Tabitha Lean, who was reading out poetry for us, um, I believe, last week um, and looking at... at at the donations um, during the station appeal. So, but, but before we speak to to Mitch from the Refugee Action Collective about Certico, and that is actually another another issue which we need to talk about. Just wanted to quickly advertise, um, not advertise. Well, in a way, <laughs> quickly talk about the appeal. Donate to keep radical and independent community radio on air for another year. And it is important that although many of you are doing it tough, there is a call out for donations for those of you who can afford it. If you can, please dig deep to ensure that 3CR stays alive and thrives. And to everyone, stay safe and keep connected to your local community radio station. And so, yeah, there is actually um, a medium to donate online. And basically, it's incredible to reflect on the extraordinary amount of change that's occurred since the onset of COVID-19, and we've seen whole communities in lockdown, the the desiccation of the world economy, huge levels of unemployment and significant breaches of democratic practice and unprecedented pressure put on the capitalist system. And we've spoken quite a lot on this show about increased police powers and what's happening about eroding the right to protest. And and we've spoken a lot about refugees and asylum seekers too and about the impacts of how they could be severely affected by COVID-19. But um, on the line now, we've got Mitch from the Refugee Action Collective and we're going to be speaking to him about a recent media release that was put out about Serco and Home Affairs denying art supplies to detained refugee. Hello, Mitch. Welcome to the program. 
Hi, how's it going? It's lovely to have you. So, Mitch, I'm wondering if you could just talk about what's been happening with, with this particular situation. Yep, so um, essentially uh, this refugee, uh, his name's Farhad Bandesh, um, has been um, brought to Australia under the Medibac legislation to the Mantra Hotel. Um, you know, those of us in Melbourne might be familiar with um, that's a place of detention where refugees currently detained, uh, brought here for medical treatment but not receiving it. Uh, this particular refugee was uh, involved in um, political protest against that uh, treatment and appears to have um, been uh, punished um, by the government, by the uh, agencies um, for it. And so he was transferred um, you know, at night from the Mantra Hotel to the Melbourne Immigration uh, Transit Accommodation Detention Centre um, and then subsequently denied um, access to some of his personal effects, which includes his art supplies and, um, you know, these types of things. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's obviously like it's just a targeted attack um, on a, a refugee who's been involved in um, protesting the, the treatment. That is, yeah, because I, I know that we did interview Chris Breen about the Mantra Hotel and also a number of other people and what happened there. And, in fact, there's a lot of people being quarantined, or not quarantined, detained there, haven't they? It's a yeah, hot bit of coronavirus um, there. Yeah, there's um, been, um, yeah, people detained um, at Mantra Hotel uh, since they were moved from the Medivac legislation. So this man, what's his name, Farad? Uh, pronounce it for me, please, Mitch. Uh, Bandesh. Bandesh. So Bandesh was forcibly mo removed from the Mantra Hotel to Mita, sorry, over three yep. weeks ago. And they still continue to deny him access to his personal effects, including art supplies. And why is this? Is this an act of punishment for taking a public stand for his rights on the Manus Island refugee prison in the Mantra Hotel? Yeah, I think definitely. Um, Farad's uh, um, yeah, been like sort of one of the prominent refugees in terms of resisting um, treatment within the detention centres and um, places where they've been um, detained. And, yeah, the circumstances um, are very suspect um, about why exactly he's being denied some of these items, um, whereas other refugees aren't necessarily. Um, and so, yeah, we feel very strongly um, that the you know public sort of embarrassment of the government and the attempts to uh, build up um, a movement uh, for justice for refugees against you know, Liberal and Labor policy um, has meant that um, the government and the agencies responsible have um, you know decided to um, yeah essentially take adverse action. Um, He's since updated his, his Facebook as well to say that um, they're no longer allowing him to use his um, like computer as well, which he like also does art on. So it's sort he of can't yeah, use his computer now. Yeah, that's what he said on his Facebook. Yeah, um, he says they're not allowing. So what can him we done about computer. what can be done about this, Mitch? Um, well, I think like. Uh, the, the crucial thing is we've got to build up a political movement um, which can, yeah, really take the fight um, to the government as all the people who um, accept this sort of type of treatment. Now, you know, there's there's limited things that, you know, you can do um, 
you know, for, for particular cases and stuff like that. And we can go out and we can um, speak to it and, you know, um, try and you know, apply political pressure as much as possible with individual cases. But ultimately, I think uh, this is uh, um, outcome that's based off a broader system, um, and that system is designed to uh, punish people uh, for seeking asylum. I think the important thing that listeners need to remember here is that other people are allowed to have their property and this particular man isn't allowed to to have the property just all because he's speaking up against these cruel policies. Yeah, I think that's totally right. Like, um, it's... And, and certainly, like, the move from um, being detained in Mantra Hotel to the, um, to the conditions of mitre, um, you know, is like a particular thing is they want to break up, um, you know, refugees who are leading politically um, from the rest of the population um, and try and sort of stymie any kind of resistance or any kind of public stuff. So I think like, yeah, and then it becomes like a question of, you know, essentially blackmail, it's like sit down, shut up and, you know, maybe, you know, we'll do you a favour type thing. Um, so it's like, yeah, the, the conditions are, are highly repressive. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's important, I think, to recognise that uh, exactly as you say. Indeed it does. And, 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 in fact, this man's removal from the mantra was, was done under cover of darkness, wasn't it? Yeah, it was during the night. Um, you know, you've got no idea what's happening or where you're going or anything like that. Um, you know, it wasn't this orderly um, type thing. Um, so it's clearly like you know they they want to make people scared as well. I think that's yeah, um, yeah a real major thing. Um, you know, they they want people to feel like they're you know under the you know under the thumb of the screws and you know all of that. Um, and you know this particular case is a specific um, particular uh, sort of uh, in- intense kind of like act um, to yeah to do that. Absolutely. Mitch, thank you so much for coming onto the program and talking about this situation. And we're going to be keeping an eye on this and continually reporting about the rights of asylum seekers and refugees. And during this pandemic, it has actually become a lot worse, hasn't it? Yeah, oh, totally. The refugees are very worried because... Yeah, there's so much, um, you know, held to the whims of guards and so on. And, you know, they've got no idea where, you know, guards are going, whether they're taking responsible, you know, social distancing or anything like that. Um, They're in close proximity while they're working. They're in close proximity with one another and with the refugees. You know, they do room searches. They do um, all sorts of shit um, that, yeah, is obviously, you know, going to create anxieties and, um, you know, um, things like that that are, like, even further from, um, like, the situation of detention itself. Um, you know, one of the things um, Farhad has said about um, the detention system as a whole is that I can't handle the fences that are killing me. You know, it's just it's just absolutely cruel. Like, he, he calls yep. the system a cruel hell. Um, and this, this is no way um, to treat people um, at at all, I think, um, in any circumstance. And, um, yeah, the fact that it's against, like, some of the most vulnerable people um, in our society um, is, 
yeah, obviously a real condemnation on all those who support it. Yeah, because he says, after seven years, they still want to make us suffer any way they can. We are all sick. We need to be free. We have been tortured and tortured. They must remove us from this cruel hell. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, yeah, it's it's disgusting, like, the way that um, people are being treated. Um, and then the coronavirus, obviously, um, you know, uh, brings that forward, um, you know, all the existing um, oppressions and fears and brings it up um, to new heights, I think. Absolutely. And, and, Mitch, we also have to keep an eye on what's going to be happening with the right to protest. They have lifted some of the restrictions. It'll be very interesting to see what the government and the police do in regards to hopefully not expanding these powers. Yeah, I think exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's... it's um not totally clear exactly. Like, it seems like, um, you know, because of the restrictions being lifted, uh, there's sort of a less heavy-handedness to, you know, fine every single uh, individual who uh, attends a demonstration. Um, we organised a demonstration outside Mantra Hotel in mid-May, and as far as we are aware, nobody was fined then. Um, we were sort of abiding by uh, the restrictions and, you know, keeping the demonstration yeah. safe. Um, we're organising as well a demonstration on the 13th of June as well, um, one outside the Mantra um, Hotel um, where, yeah, a number of those refugees are still held, um, as well as one outside Mitre uh, where what Farhad time? Uh, currently is. Uh, it's at 2 o'clock um, on Saturday, uh, June the 13th. Um, so I'd, I'd encourage everyone to come along. We're going to, you know, organise it to be um, safe and socially distanced as much as possible. Um, and it seems like the risk of fines is diminished uh, compared to um, our first demonstration. Thank you, Mitch, for, for, for telling us that. And, in fact, if listeners want to get more details, they can actually go ahead to the head to the Refugee Action Collective website. What's that website, Mitch? Uh, it is uh, RAC, R-A-C-Vic.org. Uh, um, um, you can also have a look at the Facebook uh, page as well, which is Refugee Action Collective Victoria. Mitch, thanks so much, and it was great to have you. We're now going to be going on to Brett Collins from Justice Action to talk about deaths in custody. I'm hoping we can have you back very soon, Mitch. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds good. I'm happy to come back if you like. Thanks um, a lot. Update. Yep. Yeah, and, no, and no we'll give thanks you a link so to our podcast. Thanks so much. Yep. Thank you. Take care. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. COVID-19 is a sickness that can spread from person to person. It can be dangerous, especially for our elders or people who are already unwell. We can all help stop the spread in our communities. Cover a cough with the inside of your elbow instead of your hand. Wash your hands with soap for at least 20 seconds after you cough or sneeze. Go to the toilet and before you make any food. Keep away from people who are sick, coughing or sneezing. Avoid going to places where there are lots of people. At this time, it is best to stay at home and away from other people as much as we can. If you're feeling unwell, have a fever, cough or sore throat, or worried about someone else, phone your doctor, clinic or medical service right away for advice. It is important to stay connected and strong as a community and keep our mob safe. Visit health.gov.au or your local health service for more information.
authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. A 3CR supporter. And if you've just tuned into the Doing Time show, this is 3CR Community Radio, and we're going to be speaking very shortly with Brett Collins. We were running a little bit late, yeah. So, but before we do that, just a reminder to everybody to donate to the station appeal. For nearly 45 years, 3CR has fought for change through our program content. We advocate and agitate for social and political justice. And through our organisational model, we represent how radical independent media can give power to communities. So head to the 3CR website if you can afford it. I know times have been tough. www.3cr.org.au and donate to the Doing Time show or in or to all shows at 3CR. And coming up now is Brett Collins from Justice Action who's going to be talking a little bit about George Floyd and David Dungey. Hello, jo- um, Brett. Welcome to the program. Yes. Good afternoon, Marissa. It's been a very busy show. Sorry about keeping you on hold for that long. No, that's fine. Not a problem. I could, I could hear um, the excitement coming out of refugees as well. So that's uh, yes, very Yes, yes, a lot of stuff going on here. Brett, tell us what Justice Action's position is in regards to black deaths in custody and indeed in regards to what happened with George Floyd. Oh, look, we're uh, so angry. I mean, the connection between what happened to George and what happened to David Dungay is, is just like it's the same. It just shows you that uh, they haven't, um, they don't care. They likely don't care. And so, and so Trump, um, to be uh, standing up there and uh, talking about um, the shooting, shootings, right, um, in behind trying to defend uh, uh, property against people's anger, it just says what it's all about. You know, the greedy, selfish, don't care, and um, the deaths of people who, whom they control, right, um, control with the you know, force of um, uh, police forces and, and, um, and racially directed uh, power, um, uh, the, that, that, the deaths that occur as a response to that um, are, are inevitable. And the anger is essential. It's an essential part of it. So, so we, we feel uh, like you, um, uh, inspired, actually, inspired by the anger that's happening across the United States. Uh, you know, the same anger, it's the same anger that we feel um, regarding the death of David Dungay, um, the um, Aboriginal uh, uh, young man, young man who died um, in Long Bay Prison Hospital, uh, and some of that which we, we, we've all been talking. He's the man who, um, who was uh, uh, held down, uh, uh, knees in his back, and he said, I can't breathe, he said, 12 times, and, so, and he died. They suffocated me, and, yeah, and they killed him. It, it really is a dreadful thing, um, Brett, and we were speaking earlier on, actually, to Joseph Bugliese, who's, oh, you would have heard about the Deathscapes website. And he was talking a lot about all these issues. And I felt like I just wanted to invite you onto the show just to, to hear you comment on it too. Well, look, absolutely. Well, look, from, from our point of view, really, it comes down to uh, an, an awareness, first of all, an acceptance that uh, there is an obligation on any agent of the state, and that's uh, like this police force, that's, um, that's um, prison corrective services, that's also inside the psychiatric units, the, um, the guards, the security guards in there. Now, there's an obligation on all those people, um, and because they act on behalf of the state, they have to be properly trained, and they have, yep. have a special privilege, but with that's an obligation as well. Um, so that training is essential, and also learning the lessons of, of situations which have caused deaths in the past. That's essential, and the responsibility has to be sheeted home to the to the managers themselves and to the governments who actually pay those people. And that's currently not happening. Absolutely. 
And what's the website of Justice Action, Brett? Well, uh, sorry, what's that? The, what again? The... Could you just um, read out the website for listeners so they oh, can website. head there Absolutely. and have a look? Okay, so it's, okay sure. No, it's uh, www.justiceaction.org.au. So we're up there, and um, and uh, custody is, you know, is one of the central things that we are coming in behind. It really comes down to um, if you have people isolated, held by the state, and controlling the environment entirely. Now, there that has a that's a special vulnerability of the citizens in that space, and their special obligation of governments to ensure that that's done properly. So what happened to George Floyd, well, in some ways, is the same thing as it happened to David Ungay and many other hundreds of people. And that is uh, a, a total a, a lack of concern for the person who, um, a much bigger man, uh, with uh, fully armed uh, woman, for that matter, I'm sure it happens there too, uh, holds down. A vulnerable person and the way they uh, subject them to power and force and, and in the process have killed many people. And, and I just want to say that at that, that stage too, um, so what, what we, we've embarked after the David Dungay uh, inquest and uh, recommendations, we, we then uh, looked very carefully at what was happening, what had happened in the past with, with similar situations around Australia and, uh, and it was very interesting. Oh, interesting made us extremely angry to find out that there were people who had died in exactly the same situation up in the Northern Territory and also in Queensland, where the coroners had actually said uh, that the people should not be held in these ways. But it meant that only that the coroner in Northern Territory uh, had distributed that material to the, to the uh, correctional services in Northern Territory. And likewise yeah. in Queensland, they didn't, they didn't distribute it to all the other jurisdictions. And so we've come in very closely in behind that and have been in contact with each of the coroners in each of the jurisdictions and proposed to them a national database to make sure that uh, all coroners' recommendations that affect all areas of jurisdiction have got to be distributed and, they, and that the people, authorities who, who have control uh, are, are forced to respond and to make sure Absolutely. that they the recommendations. It's interesting too, Brett, that in America there seems to have been a lot of reports coming out of all this saying that there are terrorists and that you know, a lot of people are using this to spread chaos, which is ridiculous, really, because I, I don't think that's true. No, no, absolutely not. No, that's an outrageous position. No, look, there's it no is outrageous. Yes, for sure. Look, look the, um, for people not to be angry when you've got a, a, a vulnerable man held down the way he was, we could all see it. We could see what happened. And, yeah, and, and yeah the footage was there, shocked. loud and clear. Yeah. Oh, and well, it, I mean, look, it was quite clear, quite clear what occurred. And I think just the, the starkness of it, the fact that it was captured, um, and, and these things are captured now by members of the public and distributors straight away, that's a very important uh, part of um, the public involvement in, in community policing of police. And I think that's really good. Community policing of, you know, the, the agencies. Yeah. And police investigating police. Yep. Uh, uh, thank sorry. you so much. We're nearing the end of our show. Sorry to cut you off. But... We'll, right, have, we'll be having you back pretty soon anyway. Lovely. Um, Good to speak with but, you again. But before you go, um, yes. just wanted to send out a very quick cheerio to all of Justice Action and the beautiful work they do. And also oh, a cheerio yes. to Peter and Rob, who are also a part of this show. And they've made it possible to, to help me, um, you know, with, with producing and research. Um, because we're doing a lot of remote work from home. And, and a big thank you to 3CR staff as well for extra assistance. Good. Thank you indeed.
Lovely to have you, Brett, and, and we'll talk very soon. Lovely to look forward to. Thank you, Marissa. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855am. Throughout the month of June, 3CR is running a station appeal. We're asking you, the listener, to donate to keep the station going. 3CR relies on the support of our listeners, but we know that many of you are doing it hard. So if you can't, we get it. But if you can, head to 3cr.org.au to make your tax-deductible donation to the 3CR station appeal. And you're back with the Doing Time show. It's approximately 4.53 and I've done my best to really give out a call out to the station appeal. Uh, old habits die hard. Not sure if I'm actually doing it right, given that I'm used to doing Radiothon. But, yeah, um, but it's all good. And, yeah, see if you can keep those donations coming anyway for the month of June. It's approximately 4.53 and I wanted to thank our guests for coming onto the show. Wanted to thank Brett Collins and also Joseph Bugliese and also Mitch um, speaking about a number of issues. And, and I think what's important to keep in mind here is that black deaths in custody is alive and well, pardon the pun. And we do need to build the movement to stop all deaths in custody. And some of the appalling media coverage that has come out in particular with Channel 9, um, has, has, has actually sparked a lot of outrage by um, activists in both America and Australia. It's approximately 4.54 and we've got about three minutes left. So, yeah, if you can, please dig deep to ensure that 3CR stays alive and thriving. And, yeah, we, we do need to... to Make sure that things change. History tells us that change is determined by political struggle. 3CR is part of that struggle. Critiquing existing structures, amplifying new voices and visions, and we need your help to keep going. And we're going to be going out pretty soon with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella, um, from the Rumpy Band. And stay strong and stay safe in this pandemic and... And, and lockdown and already we see the tremendous response of local communities supporting each other it's been called a new kindness pandemic but supporters of 3CR already know the transformative power of community action for a better world and with your help we are confident we can weather these hard times and continue to be Melbourne's radical independent and community owned broadcaster so how's that for a send-off for the show? I think it's okay, even if I do say so myself. <laughs> Approximately 4.55, and we've got about two minutes before our show ends. We're going to be going out, as I said before, with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella, from the Rumpy Band. Stay safe, everybody, and be kind to each other, and, and we will get out of this, this pandemic. Thanks so much. Stay tuned every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Doing Time show. Bye. Take care.